The following audio is from First Hamilton Christian Reformed Church, where our vision is to be transformed by the gospel so that we can participate with God in his work of renewing all things in Christ. For more information about First Hamilton, visit www.firsthamilton.ca. Jim, you're exactly right. Maybe you should be the pastor here this morning and preach, a, preach to us about the passage that comes before the therefore. Um, this, if you uh, have been tracking with us through our series on conflict and Christian conflict transformation, this, uh, this passage is one that we've actually, we've actually looked at before. Uh, when we talked about clothing ourselves in Christ, we talked about what Paul is, is saying here in Colossians. And yet, we are looking at it from a different angle this morning, focusing in on uh, uh, one of the phrases that comes uh, here to us, and that is to forgive as Christ forgave you, to, to forgive each other often. Whether an introvert or an extrovert, um, we were made for relationships. We were made to have friendships. And I think if, any, if the last uh, two years have shown us more than that now, have shown us anything. It's that we need these times together, whether it's hanging out after school with some friends, whether it's um, having beers on a patio, whether it's, you know, going for bike rides with friends or having tea and coffee after church. We, we want to be in relationship with other people. We are made for it. We crave it. We miss it deeply when we don't have it. And yet, one of the biggest struggles that we, we come up against is that opening ourselves up to relationships and friendships also means opening ourselves up to being hurt. How many of us have been hurt by another person, by a close friend, by somebody who we know loves us? someone who made a mistake, somebody who said something that they regret. We've all been there. That's why somebody said uh, that if you, he said, if you think that you haven't hurt people, you're being naive. And if you don't think you've been hurt by people, you're not very self-aware. This happens when we live in relationship with other people. So as I said, um, you know, if you don't think that you've hurt people, you're being naive. This happens to us whenever we live in a relationship. We make mistakes. We do this. But at the same time, if we don't think that we've been hurt by people, then we're also not very self-aware. We're also not paying attention to the, the dynamics of a relationship. And so one, of the, one story that really spoke to me this week was from New York Magazine. And it told the story of a high school boy named Diego. And Diego was in grade 11, and uh, he was, as they said, just a normal high school kid. He liked, uh, or sorry, he wore uh, Nivea deodorant, he liked his Air Jordans, and, uh, and he uh, really had a crush on a girl, which sounds like my experience in high school. Um, and so he started dating this girl that he really liked, but then uh, all of a sudden, he, he made a mistake. One night at a party, he had a little bit too much to drink, and he, uh, he showed somebody a photo on his phone that was not exactly PG of his girlfriend. 
few weeks went by when school came back in session and somebody who had seen that photo showed somebody else and it spread. Diego got dumped, understandably so, but more than that, he was canceled. He was labeled as dangerous and nobody wanted to associate themselves with him. And by all accounts, at that school, his life was over. One mistake, and it was done. Now, the New York Magazine, you know, did a, did a story on this story, and one of the things they did was interview some students, and one of the students said something so profound. They said that in this community, with what happened to Diego, showed them that there is absolutely no space for growth. You make one mistake, and you're done. It's it. There's no room for growth, because when, you, when you're trying something new and you make a mistake, there's no way for you to be reconciled. There's no forgiveness. We need forgiveness. We also need forgiveness in the church. You know, we're, we're a community that we, you know, we, our very basis for our faith is on Jesus Christ who forgives us. And yet it can be so easy for us to slip into legalistic and self-righteous mindsets, which, which tells us that we need to have our best self, our most put-together self, to show to anyone else in our community that being a Christian is about having it all together. And in the same way that, that Diego's high school eliminated all, all ability to, to grow through, through life and receive forgiveness, we also do the same thing, but in a different way. Instead of, instead of killing the ability um, to, to forgive, we don't even get ourselves to the place where that's possible. Why? We, we don't even want to show our cards enough where we do make mistakes. We don't even want to, to let people know that we are broken. We can so easily slip into this mindset. And yet forgiveness and the Christian teaching on forgiveness cuts right through what, you know, what happened to Diego and what happens to Christians by teaching us what forgiveness is really about, which is that we as Christians are called to practice forgiveness often, giving and receiving, that we are to expect it, and that it is a powerful means by which we can stay together in community and be transformed. And so three points for this morning that I want to look at. The first is a testimony of forgiveness. The second is the process of forgiveness. And the third is the power of forgiveness. And for some reason, my sermon notes are just not working this morning. So lucky you, it'll probably be a shorter sermon. So the, the, the testimony of forgiveness, the, the process of forgiveness, and the power of forgiveness. So first, the testimony of forgiveness. What, as, I've been, as I've been looking at forgiveness this week, and I preached on this back, in, back a year ago when we were going through the Lord's Prayer series— um, what struck me is that forgiveness 
now, right here and now, is a powerful social testimony for the Christian faith. And this is because of what forgiveness is. So forgiveness is essentially uh, absorbing. If somebody does something wrong to you, forgiveness is not just not doing something bad back. It's actually absorbing the debt of that action upon yourself and forgiving them fully of leveling the playing field again. Yeah, I, I used the example uh, back a year ago, and I'll use it again here because it's, I, I, th- I still think it's brilliant. Um, and because it's not all mine, I kind of um, reworked it from a sermon I heard. But, um, so imagine I invited you over for coffee after church, and I served you some delicious, um, freshly roasted, freshly ground Guatemalan coffee in my favorite Starbucks mug with some you know, freshly baked carrot cake, and you, you took that, and you said, thank you, Hayden, this is so generous of you, and you took a sip, and the coffee was too hot, and you dropped the mug, breaking the mug, spilling the coffee all over my, my carpet, ruining my couch. Well, see, now then, our relationship would be out of balance. There would be a debt that you owed, and I would argue a debt that you could not pay back. That Starbucks mug was a one-of-a-kind from my trip to Russia back in 2003, and there's no way you can replace that. Now, at that moment, I have a few options. I can try to get you to repay that debt, even though it's not going to be the same. I can... I can take revenge on you by going over to your house the next weekend for coffee and dumping it on your carpet when you're not looking. Or I could choose to forgive, which would mean saying, I forgive you. Don't worry about it. I'll clean the carpet, I'll replace the mug, and I'll restore our friendship. But that means that I'm taking on the debt. It costs me. Forgiveness always costs us something. And this is why I think it is an extremely powerful social testimony of the Christian faith. Because we live in a culture that tells us that what we should do to be somebody is look inside ourselves at what our desires are, at what we want to do, of what we want to be, and to live that out regardless of what other people think. It is the opposite of what a traditional identity is, which is looking outside at what culture values and minimizing our own desires— The modern identity flips it and says, look inside yourself. Now, the struggle with that is that in the modern identity, there is no functional value of forgiveness. It doesn't benefit a person. Because we are told that we actually don't need to be in community to be happy. 
That's what the modern identity says. You need to just look inside yourself and live that out. But then what happens when, when we do, you know, because we, we all do need relationships, when we do hurt people, when we do need to seek forgiveness, when we do need to put this into practice, it has no benefit to forgive. What we're told to do is find new friends. Find new relationships. And it undercuts our ability to be transformed because what forgiveness does is it keeps the wheels of community moving long enough for us to change. Right? Like Diego, we are canceled. If we're canceled the moment we make a mistake, we can't change. And if we're not able to actually live vulnerably enough that we do make mistakes, we won't be able to change. What we need and what the Christian gospel offers is a way in which we can do both. We can make mistakes— we can actually hurt each other and have the ability to forgive one another and continue the relationship, the community, the life together. Now this social um, testimony for forgiveness also encourages us in the church because as I said before, we can be self-righteous. We can be legalistic in, in our idea of, of community. And we can be scared to really bring out the true self. And so as we practice this together as a church, as we truly forgive one another as Christ has forgiven us, it actually encourages us to be more Christian with each other. To see more people's lives transformed. To see more growth in each other. Because we're able to make mistakes, to be forgiven, and to continue together in relationship. So that is the, that is the, the testimony of forgiveness. But what's the process of forgiveness? And for this, I want to use the up, in, and out triangle. So if you can think of a triangle, there's three different corners to a triangle. Each of them are important. So in, in the process of forgiveness, I would say that there's three different dimensions, relational dimensions, if we could use that, if, that, that compel us to live a life of forgiveness. We have the upward relationship, our relationships with God, the in relationship, the relationships with each other, and the out relationships, our relationships with the world. Up, in, and out. All of these work together to move us towards the power of forgiveness. But first, let's look at the process. So up, in, and out. We, Paul t says in this passage that we are forgiven only because Christ has forgiven us. Which tells us that the very capacity for forgiveness comes not from anything in ourselves, but something outside of ourselves, something in Christ. We are forgiven because Christ has forgiven us. It's not because we worked hard. It's not because we've done good things, right? Ephesians 4.32 tells us that it's, that we are to Forgive solely because Christ has forgiven us. And so with that in mind, we can see that, that, that forgiveness is operating on a completely different motivation than 
anything else in our world. We, we, we are being compelled to forgive one another only because Christ has forgiven much. This is why Jesus says, the one who is forgiven little loves little. But the one who is forgiven much loves much. And so the amount uh, how how much you are in touch with the costly forgiveness that Christ has lavished upon you will be the degree that you will be able to forgive one another. The, the most important thing in us learning how to forgive is to see the way that Christ forgives us as the model and the motivation for our forgiveness to one another. And so what does that look like? Well, let's look at the inward dimension of this triangle now for a second, okay? So if, if we are to be, be, um, take our, the example and the motivation for forgiveness from our restored relationship with God— then that tells us a few things about how we are to relate to one another. The first thing is that because of Christ's forgiveness to us, we can never, ever, ever, ever count anybody outside of our capacity to forgive. That's—God went towards you, forgave you, not just once, not just twice, but continues to be the way in which you are in a right relationship with him. That then becomes the model for how you forgive one another, which means that Christians are always to not just receive forgiveness, but to go after forgiveness. There's a quote that, that I read this week by Tim Keller who, went, who said something like this. He said that Christians are not just to forgive. They're actually to take the responsibility of going after forgiveness upon themselves. Whether you are hurt or you've been hurt. That might ring a bell for you. You know, we're talking about uh, conflict and how we are to go towards others with generosity. In the same way, when we've been hurt, there is, there is a way in which we are to work towards forgiving or being forgiven in our relationships with each other. We, this is the way that we're called to live in relationship with one another. We are to be forgiving one another just as God has forgiven us. And then that leads us outward. Outward to, to live this way in the world, in our relationships with coworkers, in our relationships with, um, with the environment, in our relationships with governments. We are to be in the spirit of forgiving in every relational dimension of our lives. This is, uh, this is how—this is going to be a lot more difficult in the outward dimension because in here, in our life together with other Christians, we live by the same book. We are ruled by the same principles— but it is more costly to actually take this and live this out in the world. It's, in this way, I think it actually calls us to be more like Jesus. You know, Paul is talking in this Colossians passage about being clothed in Christ, and, to, and, and forgiving is one of the ways that we actually live into that 
being clothed, right? It's going to ask us to be more like Jesus. And think about how it hurt Jesus, how much it cost Jesus to give forgiveness to those who wronged him, right? On the cross when he was dying, he said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they're doing. How can we expect it to be any less when we live out our Christian lives in the world? And yet the outward dimension, I think, actually shows us the power of forgiveness. And that's the last point that I want to end on. I was very moved by a story that I read about a 2006 incident where a, sh- uh, a, a man came into an Amish schoolhouse and took 10 hostages, killing, I think, six of them and injuring four others. And then the, sh- the shooter took his life. This was in Pennsylvania. And in the few days after this incident, what was incredibly um, inspiring was how the Amish community went towards the victim's family and his parents and forgave them. Not only did they forgive them, they also took an offering to pay for the, the gunman's funeral. I can't even imagine how costly that would have been to forgive and to take on the grief and the pain and the sadness that that person had caused them and to offer forgiveness in that place. And yet this is what they did. And it had ripple effects throughout the entire nation as as writers and, of newspapers and people who are covering this story called America and the world to model this kind of forgiveness in their lives together. Years later, uh, four or five years later, there was, a, there was a book that was written about this incident. And in this book, the authors pointed to the fact that this, this community was able to do this, not because they were somehow more righteous than than others. Not because they, you know, understood forgiveness and, and how it works more than others, but because they were being motivated by a man who died for his enemies, who forgave while he was on the cross. And they practiced this together in community. And so they were able to live it out when it mattered most. And it changed not just them, but others. This is the power of forgiveness, is that if we, can, if we can learn from Jesus how to forgive each other, then it empowers us to be in community with each other long enough for everyone to change, for everyone to experience the growth that comes from the gospel. Where there is forgiveness, there is love. Where there is no forgiveness, there is no love. And so as we conclude our series on conflict here this morning, we see that forgiveness is actually the wheel that keeps this process moving. If we take forgiveness out of it, the moment that we make a mistake, the moment that somebody does something wrong, we're tempted to pull the plug. Or we're tempted to not engage the conflict because of the hurt and the pain that it may cause others. But forgiveness offers us 
the way. The way to engage conflict by going towards others with generosity. By going Godward, affirming our unity and identity in Christ. By going deeper. By getting at the, our fears and our loves. By being curious. Right? Listening to each other. And getting right with each other. Right? Giving and receiving forgiveness. We are going to be asked to put these principles in practice very quickly. We all know that. Can we do that in a way that transforms conflict into a way, a, into a capacity for relational and spiritual growth? We can. I know we can. I know we can because I know this church. And this church is a graceful and loving and hospitable and forgiving and generous place. I truly believe that and I truly know that. You all love Jesus so much. You all love each other so much. And I don't know what this community is going to look like in six months, in 12 months, in two years, in five years, in 10 years. But I know what we can commit ourselves to, and that is, in the midst of this conflict, to follow Jesus. Amen? Let's do that together. Because who holds all things together? Christ does. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this, um, for these texts that we have been looking at over the past six, seven weeks on conflict. And thank you for, for the testimony that we have written in these pages about how conflict is a, is a, it's a reality in our lives. As broken people, we are in constant need of forgiveness, not just from you to be restored into a right relationship, but with each other. God, help us as we seek to live this way with each other. Give us grace and generosity, and patience, and kindness, and humility. Help us to bear with one another, forgiving each other as Christ has forgiven us. And help us to put on love. God, we pray that your spirit would be moving among this church as we process the human sexuality report, as we um, navigate these, these difficult waters that seem to be ahead of us. And Lord, help us to find this proper place for it, recognizing that you have called us into such a big mission to participate with you in, in transforming the world. Lord, you love this church. Lead us by the power of your Spirit, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.